Greetings, friends. Future Andrew here, dropping into these past episodes to tell you thanks. Thanks for checking out RTAF. If you're valuing the show as a wellspring of inspiration and artistic fuel and would like to help keep the show going, you can find out more about how to do that at patreon.com slash podcast. Every little bit adds up and keeps me inspired to bring you quality content on a consistent basis. Thanks for listening, and stay creative. Welcome to another episode of Artsy AF. Thanks for being here. This week's episode is Peter Westerman, a brilliant painter and founder and owner owner of Threda. Uh, this was a really great one. We had the pleasure of uh, going down to three. Uh, uh, I almost said it wrong. <laughs> I almost called it Threda, like a lot of people I know do. Um, we, Stay tuned, and you'll see. You can call it whatever you want. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, we went down to Threda HQ, surrounded by some epic artwork, and this one's really good. We are coming off the high of just having done it. Peter's brilliant. He's a brilliant curator. Um, he's always putting out, pumping out the coolest, most refined, tasteful products and art shows mm-hmm. in our cute little bubble of creativity that we existed. We had a really good psychedelic talk on this mm. one. Yeah. Lots of balanced information. Uh, fair and balanced. That's I think that's our, our <laughs> motto right here at Foxy AF. Um, <laughs> no, uh, it's, it's good. As far as I know, of course, we just uh, we just recorded it, like I said. And enough of me babbling. Yeah. Well, yeah. Check. Well, anyway. We'll edit that out. No, we'll, we're going to leave it in. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so, yeah. Peter's great, and he's really leading the way for a lot of artists and um, creating a lot of opportunity for a lot of brilliant beautiful creative people in the world and helping to spread that across the lands transforming culture as we know it yeah that's that's what we're all trying to do i think as creators and uh pete thanks for talking to us and everybody strap in yeah because here it comes ready set So we've also, we've also, we've also, we've also, we've added a way that you can support the podcast. If you go to the show description on iTunes or Spotify, at the end of the description, there'll be a link that will take you to a website where you can make a monthly donation if you're feeling it. Or you can go to artsyafpodcast.com and there's a support the podcast link on the homepage. It helps us out tremendously, and we're trying to expand, so we thank you guys for all your support. I do such sick vape tricks. Like, watch this. Whoa! Wow, like a little baby. You guys can't see it right now, but uh, (laughs) I just jumped through a hoop of my own vape smoke and then it turned into a jellyfish and and uh yeah my so. only trick is doing i can blow a square 
Shut the fuck up. Nah. Yeah. But actually, it's just me just making a square with the smoke. Okay. <laughs> nice. Nice. A true artist through and through. Yes. Um, Fooling people. Yeah. <laughs> it's all smoke and mirrors, baby. So is this the the sound check or are we leveled out and everything? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, um, I usually just hit record. And I might even, we up. might even start with that vape trick. Oh, cool. If you're comfortable. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, cool. absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> just like, so it's like, yeah, one of those circles you start out with in like awful employee meetings at like a corporate job where you got to be like, tell us something that most people don't know about you. Well, I could vape squares. <laughs> yeah. That's one of my greatest fears is being in one of those situations where everyone has to go around the room and nervously say something about themselves. Yeah. Do you, so you don't do like uh three to meetings where you, you have to introduce yourself and give a I, fun I fact. I try to avoid meetings. <laughs> yeah. No one's ever excited about meetings, so no. might as well just avoid them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, welcome so, in. Thanks for yeah. being on the podcast. Absolutely. Us, yeah. This is exciting. We're here at 3 to HQ. If you hear some echoing, it's because we're in a gigantic gallery space. With amazing artwork on the wall, I might add. Uh, you have a, a show right now by the prolific Morton Anderson. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, a fantastic Danish artist who yeah. is... Uh, fitting in really well over here with what we've got going on yeah it's great uh, some ct nelsons are on the wall oh, yep yeah. yep uh, one, of, one of denver's finest i would say yeah and then you have a collab over here i think it's with uh, seth and um fabian right yes seth seth, seth mcmahon F- fabian jimenez and then brian hampton also oh awesome yes just legendary Dang. i love it that was- painting and we will uh um definitely give you guys a visual reference for that um in the podcast notes on our website um but yeah man so you're an artist obviously and you own and manage the Rada. that is correct yeah and yes. which is like a art merchandising company with a pair mostly apparel um would you say it was Prince? it's always been intended to it for it to be a 50 50 split where we we focus half on just the creation of the art mm-hmm. and then half on this whole clothing line idea that I've had. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, it's awesome that it's like artist owned and managed. Yes, and and that's, you know, I think that's one of the reasons it's worked is because <clears throat> I, I kind of liken it to being similar to the, the setup for a record label where a lot yeah. of times the producer or owner of the record label has experience maybe uh as a rapper or as a musician somebody who can relate Mm -hmm. to the people he works with on a creative level yeah i think that's super important it speaks to the excellence of what you're doing too i mean you guys are leading the way with i mean you actually make tasteful psychedelic clothing you know we try yeah yes it's absolutely it's understated it looks really nice and then you open up a, a jacket or a hoodie on the inside it's like exploding with this vibrant psychedelic artwork and uh, you curate, you know, some of the the greatest visionary art from around the world. Well, thank think. you, John. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's that's a, a a great lead in to yourself also because we've also featured some of your art. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, that metal yeah. print. I'm just subtly pumping myself up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Yeah. Um, you know, since the beginning, I've wanted it to be kind of an example of just uh, a balance between you know, left brain, right brain, 
black and white Mm -hmm. chaos and order type of things. And Mm -hmm. the clothing is supposed to represent that too. A really nice mix of this thing's under control, but it's also out of control at the same time. Oh yeah. Well, it's such a, it's such a good metaphor for uh, just like psychedelic people. It's like on the outside, we can look, I'm not a great example of this right now, but on the outside, we can look pretty normal, you know, and then you open open that mind up of a psychedelic person and it's like, whoa, you just dive into all sorts of like perspectives and colors and geometric shapes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Not to say you don't have some great art on your t-shirt right now. Right. Yeah. Shouts, (laughs) shouts to Jack Shear. I'm sporting that heavy magic right now, buddy. Heavy. Yeah. Um, so, I'm curious, like, um, it's amazing, like, how high-level Threda has become in this amazing space, throwing these crazy shows, you know, such uh, amazing quality uh, clothing products and prints and everything. Like, how did you get started doing this? Yeah, we might as well just try to start at the beginning somewhere. (laughs) Yeah. it's, it's, to me, it's just a culmination of the things I've been really interested in, um, in a visual sense since I was younger. Um, my dad was a graphic designer nice, and okay. so I was around, uh, Photoshop and just visual arts tools from a young age. Nice. And although he didn't push me towards it, I always just liked to play around with whatever tools he had in the house. And um, so I did end up going to school for graphic design. Um, I had been doing websites and just trying to figure out the freelance designer life. And um, so I did go to school in Wisconsin for graphic design and didn't quite finish Mm -hmm. because I just started to realize what I was getting myself into. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Talking to other designers and realizing what the potential is to be a a graphic designer. uh, Yeah. And it kind of comes down to you're always going to be trying to do someone else's ideas. Right. Mm -hmm. And I realized how much stress that brings when you're trying to interpret other people's ideas all the time. Yeah. And you're you're not only kind of having to mitigate your own creativity in a way, but you have to do it for a low amount of pay as well. (laughs) Yeah. So. And you're kind of like on someone else's leash a little bit. Absolutely. So. I, I just I got discouraged towards the end of my college time, and I ended up dropping out with 16 credits left. To get, <laughs> uh, just kind of realizing, you know what? I think if I put all of my ideas for for visual arts and just this these concepts for clothing I was thinking about, I think I could probably support myself a bit better than with this degree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I made the hard decision to just, you know what? I'm just gonna take the risk i've i always kind of wanted my own fun creative project yeah as yeah. a business mm-hmm. and what better time to do it than when right you're after. young and yeah. trying <laughs> to leave your your school environment um it's a true testament to uh strong intuition and you know following your heart and you had this feeling and this potential inside of you you fucking went for it man and i can also see that your training as a graphic designer it, like it it, it doesn't matter that you graduated, but that training has helped you hone something very aesthetically pleasing and grounded, mm-hmm. balanced. Absolutely. Um, I think that design skills are important for any artist. Mm-hmm. 
because uh, it teaches you the fundamentals of balance and composition. Trimming the fat. Exactly, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, not going too far, you know, mm-hmm. using colors that look right next to each other. Right. These are things that all help paintings too. Yeah, exactly. And um, so, yeah, that did really help me get into, uh, and so I didn't actually go from just being a straight-up designer to starting Threda. Mm-hmm. I, tr- I I slowly d- realized I wanted to do just artwork. Yeah. And yeah. so for a few years, I explored just trying to support myself with uh with some art projects I was working on. Nice. And so that's what really led me into realizing, oh, I actually love art more than design. Yeah. And um, so I was kind of able to start up this business where it's based on art, but I got to design Mm-hmm. And be the main designer for the business. Yeah. So I you kind of weave that together. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I just wanted it all. <laughs> it's a cool synthesis of those two things. Yeah. Um, so when you did start Thereda, you've always been into like the dye sublimation style. Yes. I, I, I remember when I saw my first dye sublimation shirt, it was an Alex Gray shirt. And oh, yeah. I, I had never yeah. seen someone print a full. Mm-hmm. Uh, painting on a t-shirt like mm-hmm. that and i just thought man this is this is the most amazing way to work with clothing is having no pot you know no um no limits whatsoever to mm-hmm. what the thing can look like sweet yeah um i guess my question is because i'm just a total noob and know nothing about dye sublimation or or printing or um just things like that. Do you guys have your own printer and did, did you need, or did you just save up a bunch of money, uh, at the very beginning and kind of like put it all into Thereda? So when we first launched, uh, it was, it was all screen printees. Oh, cool. Sublimation wasn't yet available. This was in 2009 when we started. Oh, wow. And this is before everyone knew about sublimation. Yeah, so it was like it was, this new exciting thing. Yes. Yeah. And, and there were, there were almost no options for a couple years. And as, as it became more popular, we finally were able to start using it the way we wanted it to. Nice. Yes. That's awesome. So you're 10 years in the game at this point. Yeah, this will be the 10th year this year. Damn. Well, happy uh, anniversary. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are crushing it. It's it's kind of hard to believe I've been able to do the same thing for 10 years. That's um, awesome, man. It, it kind of flew by in a way. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. You, yeah, you wake up and look back, you're like, whoa, I'm 10 years into this? Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, the reason I picked the combination of things I did uh, is Number one, just because I've always kind of been obsessed with with clothing, just being able to wear the colors I like best, mm-hmm. being able to have things. Just it's to me, it's kind of part of being an artist and designer personalities. You want to customize everything about your life. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, and definitely th- that's the thing I've been hooked on since I was a kid. Uh, I just want to make everything my way. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and when you're a kid, uh, sometimes it's really hard and frustrating because yeah. you can't. Right. So. That's what I was excited about as a young adult. Like, you know what? I just want to really spend time on making everything the way I envision it. That's really cool. And so the reason it's a combination of art and clothing is these are two of the the oldest things that humans have done to express ourselves. Yeah. Is we put art on our walls or cave walls caves. <laughs> you know and we and we like to try to choose what we put on our bodies because yeah. it's it's a cool part about being a human self-expression yeah. absolutely yeah. and so 
I felt comfortable picking these two things because I knew ne- none of the uh, clothing and art aren't fads. These are right, just yeah, it's part exactly. of being a human. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I felt like, you know, these are things that can evolve with me and become more and more interesting and, and blossom over time. And mm-hmm. they're not going to disappear. Yeah. There's no dead end. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Always evolving and growing and you get a more subtler mind, more um, experience and you get to really like drill in like each year you're just coming up with cooler ideas uh like doper clothing that like <laughs> you know that like transcends any scene or anything it's just like oh that's cool clothing you get to like sneak in psychedelia with what you're <sighs> doing too which i think is pretty cool and yeah. that that's what excited me about this type of art is it's i think it's kind of genreless in a way yeah, yeah. We, sure. we use these terms that are kind of an umbrella term for the art, like psychedelic art or visionary art. Yeah. But really, it's just a lot of expressionist work. Mm-hmm. It's, there's abstract elements. There's there's classical elements. It can be so many different genres like exactly. put together in an ins- inspiring way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just felt like this is this is one of those facets of the art world that most people don't know about yet and that's exactly it's really exciting to be the guy to get to show people something new yeah 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 and i mean it it seems like most people that are lucky enough to come in contact with it they just kind of become happier Mm -hmm. a little less high strung because along with it comes a lot of really nice great people too there's this openness and this like sweetness to it all which I think is really great. That's you, cool you're, to cre- hear. you're creating a vehicle, you know, to spread yeah. that into the world. Well, I've just always felt uh, if the people making the art have good intentions, it's going to come through the artwork mm-hmm. too. Yeah, like ripples yeah. out. Even if it's super abstract, um, mm-hmm. if if the artist is doing a good good enough job um, translating his personality into his artwork, you can you know get that person's. Yeah positive quality traits in the art as well yeah you get a little hit of that with every reproduction and every view of it yeah and you know i just i would i'd like to say good job to you guys because when i look at both of your paintings i can totally see (laughs) the people i know in them too (laughs) which which i love thanks man yeah yeah Yeah. thank you and uh it's it's one of the cool parts of about the genre that we're all involved in is it seems to have evolved so quickly Mm -hmm. and organically i feel like it's just kind of an emergent uh emergent property of all these worlds colliding and maybe it's even an outgrowth of something like the internet where you have just limitless references and um you can literally get any type of art or music in front of your eyes or in your ears Mm -hmm. and i think what we're doing is like synthesizing whatever this time period will be known as you know just kind of re-expressing um i don't want to say like no one has any original ideas but we're sort of yeah like i said like synthesizing all of what we love and then filtering Mm -hmm. that through our personality yeah and and i like what you mentioned there that it's really hard to say how this time period will be known because there's so much happening right now at once and i think you're right it ties into the internet and technology becoming part of our lives. Like it has to. I think if you looked at the way art changed uh, from let's say the seventies and eighties to when the computer became a part of people's lives, 
it changed the the foundation and the nature of some of the art totally and made mm-hmm. it look much more digital yeah. and for lack yeah. of a better word right yeah um there it's definitely examples i i know of from before computers of digital type stuff mm-hmm. um but i think it was really just from highly intuitive artists who kind of knew like oh this yeah. this thing is going to turn into part of our lives and right mm-hmm. one of my favorite examples of that is that dolly painting of uh, Abraham Lincoln made out of oh, pixels. Pixels, yeah. Jeez, which yeah. I think it's was like, maybe the late seventies, I believe. Yeah, it was a little later, I think, in his career. Yeah, it looks like it was made on a computer today. Yeah. <laughs> and crazy. I love that he had this he had some kind of sense of all oh, these pixel things yeah, yeah. are mm-hmm. gonna be really important to us. That's interesting. The the artist just lets themselves go ego ego dissolved into the realm of creativity, pulled something out way off in the future you know it's, yeah it's like more relevant today than ever that yeah. piece of artwork yeah i think i also had i personally um like all my favorite artists i first saw their art on a computer screen yeah and i think my own paintings kind of look digital because all of my influence from art like even though they were paintings i was seeing them on a digital screen and i think that informed the way i actually put paint onto a canvas you know yeah. like and like there's that aspect of it and then there's also like all of you guys that i know and we're all linked up because of social media i i think we're the success stories of social media absolutely it, it gets mm-hmm. a bad rap but i think we all kind of have like created a community by seeing each other online yeah and like naturally yeah. gravitating to each other it's mm-hmm. it's a tool and like any other like any tool you there's a way to use it positively and negatively right mm-hmm. and um I think a lot of artists have been able to use it fairly positively and yeah, that's how I found all the people that I know about, including you guys is mm-hmm. from yeah. seeing pictures on the internet more or less. Yeah. Um, my first real aha moments on the internet happened on these early art collective websites. Uh, the one that's gone on was just 3dfxartist.com. Nice. Um, it's kind of a deviant art type website, but with mostly digital focused art. And I was just really struck on how natural and beautiful and abstract people could, uh, you know, how organic things could look th- through digital art. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a few specific artists that I found where I was like, wow, you know what? Digital art can be anything you want it to be. Yeah. And uh, so that's. That's why I have the group of artists I do. I, I like having a a representative of you can do this with with many different mediums and make it look the way you want it to. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And did you when you started Threda, um, did you initially start working with other artists or was it just your stuff? And how did you meet those artists that you built yeah. the company with? They, I th- I believe all the initial artists were people I found on DeviantArt and they were just people I talked to a lot about their art, people that I felt like were becoming my friends. Mm -hmm. And, um, we, we started with, I think five different artists and, and plus myself. So the, the idea was always of the collective. It it was never about, Oh, this is like my art project about my art. Mm -hmm. It was always about, um, let's see if I can help other artists figure out what to do with their artwork. That's so yeah. cool. And at, when I started it, I had a wide format printer 
So nice. the easy idea was, well, why don't I just make a website, design a website and help these artists make prints? Yeah. That's so cool to, to, you know, like not every artist is very business minded, but you right. have a mind for that and you're, you excel in those skills and to do it, not just for yourself, but to bring up everybody with you, you know, you give a vehicle and a platform. And I think that's cool. Like we all have these different tools or perspectives of way of like, um, integrating with reality and we all get to kind of help each other move up together. That's I think cool. It's really beautiful. And, and you know what? That's what a business is. It's just a way to integrate with reality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think the word business has kind of a big negative connotation these days. Especially yes. in the art world. Yeah, oh, I was absolutely. Like avoiding it because it sounds gross for some reason. It does. It, it totally does. And I feel kind of lucky because my initial, um, my initial ideas as a teenager was kind of more business related. Mm-hmm. I was just really, I was more fascinated with technology businesses and just mm. how creative they could be. Like so many new ideas and things people hadn't seen before. Mm-hmm. And I kind of had the idea of, wow, if I want to be super creative, I should start a business because it'll make money and I can fund the creativity yeah. with, with, yeah. My, with that. And, um, and really a business is just a, a, a super, malleable creative project. You Mm -hmm. get to set it up however you want. You get to call it whatever you want. Mm -hmm. You get to make it look however you want. So there's a lot of creative decisions involved with that. And Mm -hmm. I was just kind of excited to get to do that all myself. So I know a lot of people talk about painting and drawing as a kid. I didn't do that until I was an adult, but Mm -hmm. I was coming up with logos and like Mm -hmm. ideas for uh, interesting businesses that mm. would excite people. Yeah. So that was kind of my background of what I was thinking about when I was young. And, uh, I feel lucky cause I had that foundation before I got into just, I want to be an artist and help artists. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. And the way you describe, you know, it's, it's, it's more of an extension of an art project than it is, you know, a business. Absolutely. Like, yeah. It's an art project first and thank God it happens mm. to also make money for people. Yeah. 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 Totally. Um, that's kind of one of the funny things about a business is that's the whole goal of it is just to be helpful for the people involved financially. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And if it doesn't do that, then the IRS says you're a hobby, not a business. <laughs> yeah. You, you told me that a couple of weeks ago and I was like, uh Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. What is it? You, um, just for any artists or young business owners out there, it's like, if you report either what breaking even or a loss for five years in a row, they consider you a hobbyist. Yeah. And (laughs) the government doesn't like when you do a lot of things that has no benefit to them. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah. Just a heads up everybody. (laughs) But it's also what makes people good at things is a hobby is all about your passions. Yeah. So it definitely was a hobby that I turned into a, a business. Yeah. Right on. And uh, what does Threda mean? So one of the concepts that I came up with was this is going to be a lot of abstract ideas and abstract art. And so what what word could possibly contain all of these thoughts and and, you know, broad, unexplainable things. Mm-hmm. So I felt like the name needs to reflect that. And then the name has to be kind of a container where people can apply their own meanings to it, just like the artwork. Mm-hmm. 
So I was essentially looking for a word that hadn't been used before on the internet. <laughs> and it's really easy because you just type the word into Google <laughs> and, <laughs> and see what comes nothing's up. there. And um, so I just thought something along, something that sounds like the word threads in a different language because mm. threads just is a nice vague meaning for ways to connect things, the ways things weave together. Yeah. Wow. So I came up with kind of an abstraction of the word threads. And when I found one that had no search results in Google, <laughs> that's when I knew like, this is my word. It's fucking nice. genius, man. Yeah. It's funny. Yeah. Like I had no idea what Threda meant, but like you, you get what it means too. Right. Like it, it's very effective. It's, it's really been cool. all, yeah. it's been cool hearing how many people seem to fi figure it out. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. But at the same time, uh, since it's such an abstract word, people will pronounce it differently, which totally. I think is really cool. Mm -hmm. um, it's, you know, I don't even want to correct people. It's kind of, yeah. it's up to you how you want to relate to it. It's like, what's like, your favorite way to say it, I guess? Yeah, yeah that's really Just cool. like a piece of art. Sometimes. Yes, yeah, exactly. Like you hear it or you see it and then you're like, oh, three-ada. I've heard people say three-ada. Yeah, and <laughs> it's, it's a little... Feels weird sometimes to have a business name that people struggle with. Like yeah. it, it seems like it wouldn't be a combination for success that yeah. people have. People often have trouble uh, remembering how to spell it. I notice, mm. which it must have hurt our ability to yeah. be shared with others somehow. <laughs> yeah. But it, at the same time, it's a lot of you know word of mouth, and I think people just show other people on their phone or mm -hmm. a computer and mm. and. Uh, yeah, once you've, you know, Google helps everybody out. You can kind of yeah, throw in can, whatever spelling in there and it, it like, did fixes you mean, it. Uh, did you mean the right? Yeah, it's, it's great. <laughs> and we were also talking about, um, before we started recording, you were listening to one of our other podcasts and we were kind of down about um, becoming merchandisers as artists. Yeah. And you had a really yes. good, really insightful rebuttal to that um, about how like, you don't feel like a merchandiser if you make stuff that you actually want to use and right. you enjoy yourself. Like, yeah. Can you expand on that a little bit? Or? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, there's no question that merchandise deserves to have some, some negative feelings attached to it because mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's a way every Hollywood movie tries to cash in on a bunch of little kids. Yeah. <laughs> regardless of if it's creative or, has like a lot of intention behind it. It's just a way to let's get more money out of this weird movie we came up with. Yeah. Um, and what's crazy is there's some movies that have even been written for the purpose of merchandise or, <laughs> and, or TV shows. Like I believe maybe transformers and teenage mutant Ninja turtles might be two examples of they oh, created no. this as a merchandise idea and then spawned <laughs> it into basically elaborate ads for the merchandise cartoons. through cartoons yeah. and movies Damn, so man they, that really first engineered it yeah yes. that really changes the uh, scope and perspective of my childhood <laughs> it's still real to me damn it yeah i love the turtles actually that was something i don't know you know who knows when i thought this but i was wondering like who created the turtles I mean, maybe you don't know because, I mean, who knows? I, but if it is like this reverse engineered merchandising thing, uh, I guess I still love the turtles. I, I think it's still creative either I way. I think it's really it's rad. Yeah. Right. You know, just because it's... And going back to your question, John, that just because it's merchandise doesn't mean it can't be 
something that you put a lot of love and effort into. Mm -hmm. And so I've always just felt like if I treat the things we sell to people, just like I'm trying to create a piece of my own personal artwork, then the limits are the same as artwork where people can get a lot out of it and mm -hmm. talk about it and feel good about participating with it. And so I just think there's a, there's a way to do it where it's, it's uh, something that people can, can tangibly feel good about and know there's like a real, there's real thought and intention put into the ideas behind it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and quality products too. It's not like disposable, you know. Yes. It's not like red bubble twice. pillows. That's or... important to me. And it, mm -hmm. that's actually what stops me from making a lot of other items is if I feel like people don't really treat it serious in their lives, I don't want to participate with it. Mm -hmm. Um, like something people will throw away. Um, and that's why I love clothing. Cause I know people's relationships with clothing from talking to them and just knowing how I relate to clothing. And when you have that favorite t-shirt or those favorite shoes, like mm -hmm. the way we treat it has, it's, it's got a lot of love to it and yeah. you, you want to, it feels good to see that t-shirt nice and clean and ready to wear. Cause you yeah. know how you feel when you, when you put on that t-shirt. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so I just felt like that's the same emotional connection people have with the art we put on our walls. Right. Mm -hmm. right. I think, um, I think art is a lot about when you're selling it for sure is about kind of selling the feeling that you were having while you were making it because you know that that is, is part of like the best parts of your life, you know, part, I mean, I think that's why we're artists. I would dare to say that like and, but, we do it because this feeling we get when we right. make it and when we complete it and we feel like it's the best we could do. And you want to give that feeling to the people who potentially might take it home, mm -hmm. um, on whatever, uh, medium it's on. Like, and, and I like what you were saying earlier before we started about, you know, um, as artists, our market ranges from like, like dishwashers to, you know, Silicon Valley, like CEOs potentially. Uh, and so it's good to make, and, and this is why merchandise is, is a good thing too. Cause if someone wants to take that feeling home and maybe can't afford an original painting, but they can't afford, say, a jacket, uh, a print, or even a sticker. You know, you, you're there, and you can say, "Yeah, I mean, here's a little, here's a little slice of what I was uh, feeling in that moment." Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it, it's kind of like helped me in my perspective with that. Um, just, yeah, making it accessible, you know. Yeah, and supporting. I mean, artists have to make money. Yeah. Somehow. And most people can't afford a giant painting. Right. Yeah. I mean, no. like and I couldn't afford a lot of my originals. Yeah. You can't <laughs> you know? afford your own exactly. art. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And uh, I can afford to take the time to make them. <laughs> even being around so many paintings with the job I have, I wish I could keep a lot more of them. Yeah. But right. um, it's just, uh, you know, it's like a, a few percentages. A few, it's a, a couple percent of people out there who can really invest in paintings and originals and, mm -hmm. um, there's something really cool about that whole aspect of it too. There's something really special about the original. Oh yeah. Sure. Charged up. And, um, 
I would never discount any of that part of the art world, but it's not for most people. Exactly. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. And so I, uh, as much as I would love to focus on that stuff, I just feel better knowing that, uh, the experience of this stuff is accessible to someone who's really passionate about it, but doesn't have the financial ability to like go into the most serious deep end of, yeah. <laughs> of 10 foot paintings and yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah. It's really cool. And, uh, so how do you balance running a business and then making personal work. Cause you're an artist as well, you know, like you make, and you do a lot of interesting techniques like digital work, um, combining like photography and like, don't you like you print out photographs and like paint on top of them and everything. Like you do a lot of interesting stuff, but how do you balance it all? Well, you know, a lot of it's that I just want to be, uh, in a place where I understand these mediums. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love uh, watching artists use different mediums and I just, I feel like it would be fun if I could understand each one and mm. it helps me relate to Empathize. the people creating the stuff. Yeah. And it's fun to participate and, and learn new things. Mm-hmm. And so I've just, I, I've tried to not limit what medium I'm using. I, I like to try everything cause I want to figure out which one is me. Mm-hmm. And so it's been a long process of just kind of using whatever tools are exciting mm-hmm. to, to get the results I want. And um, lately, the satisfaction of just making the whole thing by hand is kind of addicting to me at the moment. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And that's part of why I love these collaborations is because when you get a bunch of people together, the process goes really fast. Mm-hmm. And it's a way for me to still paint, but to, you know also further other people's artists uh, careers and at the same time like we get to condense this creative experience into usually a smaller period of time than me just making something by myself yeah and like the, the pressure's off you like i have to do this one piece. yeah absolutely you to do it collectively and w- with a combination of people it's something that none of you could have created on your own yeah and this is something the music world has figured out long ago oh yeah yeah is oh, that yeah. you know being a solo musician is a it seems like a lonely endeavor yeah like to, poor elvis yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> well yeah you gotta you gotta have at least a backing band or I mean, uh, I mean, a lot of the musicians in our world right now are somewhat solo, I would say. But uh, I think the the energy you get when you're syncing up with multiple people and making something together is is really addicting. Mm-hmm. It feels like you're making your power exponential, yeah, and I really yeah. like that idea of wow. Now that I have these two or three other people involved now the limits are even more endless. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's something, I have like a fear of collaboration. I haven't Mm -hmm. done much of it. You know, I've only done like passing a painting back and forth, but like actually creating it together with people is something I haven't really done. And there's like, uh, yeah, I have some fear to it. Like, did you kind of just jump into that right away? Like back in the day, or is it something you kind of had to, you know, like, were you just ready to collab with people immediately? Yeah, it was uh, something that I just loved about the uh, about running a business is every project I did with an artist, like I get to kind of collaborate with my thoughts and, you know, I even get to change other artists' work and help them make it the best possible fit for something. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of a form of collaboration too. Uh, but 
really what it comes down to is my my group is uh it's a heavily visually specialized group we just we are trying to make interesting imagery mm-hmm. and so if i can make an interesting collaboration happen then the whole collective gets you know it's like a a cool little um trophy to put on the wall like <laughs> yeah. here's another unique image that could have only happened cuz we have this cool little inner interaction between people mm-hmm. yeah uh <laughs> oh so let's um let's oh it, switch real quick just yeah, to yeah, answer john's other question mm-hmm. um yeah it's totally natural to have that fear of collaborating and one of the difficult challenges is uh certain methods and art styles are much more difficult to fuse with other people than than other styles and yeah, so right. That's why you typically see collaborations be fairly abstract is mm-hmm. because that's what lets the the different styles blend together a little more seamlessly without having yeah. to sit down and put a ton of energy into pre-planning the whole piece. Yeah, I was yeah. going to ask you that. Mm-hmm. Um, do you mostly, let's say, for sure on collaborations, there's probably not much of a pre-plan, um, but when you're doing, like, say, a solo piece or... Um, do you do you pre-plan it at all? Do you design it kind of? I like to sketch it or anything. I feel like it's two parts of your brain, and mm-hmm. I try to exercise both equally. Yeah. Um, we just completed two large uh, collaborative paintings in the gallery here uh, with me, Jake Amazon, Stephen Cruz, and Blake Foster, mm-hmm. and uh, it was a very distinct two painting process. We worked on them both at the same time. One was very planned out and the other had zero plan oh that's cool and the dynamic between the two was really obvious one had a lot more mental energy put into it the Mm -hmm. planning Mm -hmm. uh was you know it takes more energy and so we what we what i kind of realized is we are all taking breaks from the planning and having more fun on the jam one um and having that dynamic is i think it's important because definitely both of them can lead to the best results. You yeah. just have to see what what's best for you. Exactly. Do you prefer one over the other? Or is it? Do you just keep that uh, kind of principle in mind? All well, the time? it's two types of excitement. There's the excitement of I have this image in my head, mm-hmm. and I th- I think it's really cool, and I want to yeah. get it out into the real world. And then the other type of excitement is, wow, this is just showing up out yeah, of yeah. what's going to nothingness, and that's a very that's a, a whole different type of excitement than having that spark uh, of, wow, I have this whole image in my head and I know exactly what to do. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. It's just, I'm just like spitballing. It's kind of just throwing into the ether, but yeah, there, there's a lot of um, abstract collaboration happening. It'd be, it'd be interesting to see some artists um, really like really pre-plan and have like a, maybe like a purpose for a piece mm-hmm. and really like plan together subject figure. Okay. I'm going to do this part. You do this. It'd be mm-hmm. interesting. I don't know if a lot of that type of collaboration happens right now. It'd be, it'd be yeah, cool. Right. It'd be yeah. something really and cool to experiment yeah. with. I think the challenge with that type of collaboration is that sometimes it's not as good when you can see separated styles in the piece. Like this yeah. person made this thing over here. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. person made this thing over here if it's not a seamless flow in between those two elements, yeah. it's going to look like you kind of mashed up. Exactly. And did a, 
like uh, a like collage, a collage type yeah. thing. Yeah. And that's, that's mm-hmm. one of the, you know, one of the things that's kind of hard to avoid sometimes. Yeah. That's an interesting challenge. I don't know. It um, is. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. then there's the whole other aspect of knowing who you're collaborating with. Cause yeah. if you've, uh, really understand somebody's style and their thoughts behind it and why they do things the way they do, mm-hmm. that's going to really help you oh, yeah. integrate with, with them in the best way possible. Yeah. Melt together. I mm-hmm. think just liking the person a lot that's goes a long way. way. Yeah. <laughs> that really does go a long way. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's obvious. I haven't but. experimented too much with collaborating with people I don't like. <laughs> Maybe you should try it, man. Yeah, but you, you never create, know. like a super crew of like a group of people that would not get along together. This, <laughs> this, is, this has been a joke that's come up uh, is uh, purposefully trying to set up a collaboration with people who you know are going to kind of have a meltdown together just to <laughs> yeah, see yeah. what happens because yeah. Yeah. maybe it'll be amazing, but if it doesn't even work out, it'll at least be fascinating to watch. Yeah. All, of, all those yeah. people try to figure it out. <laughs> well, an exploration of um, the shadow or something, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would actually, that could be some grand thing that like alleviates pain from the world if these people could figure it out together, you know. Yeah. I mean, do you guys remember doing the, the group projects in school? Yeah. yeah. Where you had yes. three or four people. Mm-hmm. And, and like it, one it, person did all the work kind of. Yeah. <laughs> to me, it always yeah. felt like your your best chance was 50%, you know, congruency mm-hmm. between your group. And then you would probably end up thinking two of those people were like someone you never wanted to work with again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, that those are the feelings that happen when you get thrown into collaborating with random strangers. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it could be a, a good learning process, but it sure. also can be really painful and frustrating. <laughs> yeah, you really have to be able to listen to the other person, um, not just like auditorily, but visually, like, and see their their vibe. And just let things go too, you know, like you can't mm. be a control freak and be a good collaborator at the same time. Yeah. That's a great lesson to get out of collaboration is if you want to be forced to learn how to let things go. Yeah. Just collaborate with someone who paints really fast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or, or someone who has no problem covering a lot of your work. Cause right. yeah. the first few times it happens, you're, you're like, Oh, you deal with <laughs> we'll a sting. lot of we'll internal cringing and, yeah. And thoughts of self-worth and, Mm-hmm. Anger. <laughs> there's slight. <laughs> anger. There's very possibly some anger mixed in too. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you know, it it makes me think of musicians a lot because they've been going through this stressful stuff for a long time. And yeah, we've seen bands in the '90s try to make super groups. And mm. hey, we're all so talented. <laughs> what could mega, go wrong? Yeah, mega yeah. egos. Yeah. Just <laughs> yeah. egos in the way. So, and, and you know what? That ties into the psychedelic aspect of the collaborations because mm-hmm. psychedelics, as many people know, have this fascinating relationship with the ego mm-hmm. and helping you maybe step outside your own ego. And that's part of the collaborative process is yeah. you have to, you have to kind of be depersonalized mm-hmm. yeah. and get out of the way of yeah. yourself and the other people too. Sometimes yeah, mm-hmm. you got to dissolve those hard opinions and rough edges to, to really make something beautiful Yeah, out of that. Just let go, let your body be a vehicle for creativity. Yeah. However it wants to come through. And it's a, it's a weird thing trying to all 
be on the same page the whole way through it. Yeah. You probably hit points where you're like synchronized and it's flowing and then it, you know, gets chaotic. Totally. And then those are fascinating moments when you have to watch people, you know, problem solve and figure out whose opinion is better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of trust that goes into it. Yeah, too. absolutely. Like if, you just kind of got to trust the style of the person or people you're working with as well to, mm-hmm. to make good decisions and to communicate, I guess, as, as best. And that's can. something you've done, Andrew. Mm-hmm. I know you've done some collaborations. Yeah, mostly with, uh, with Bobby. That's right. Yeah, and um, Bobby. And uh, he really taught me, shouts to Bobby, uh, how to Bobby kinda, Cruz. Bobby Cruz, yeah. Episode Thank one. You. Episode one, yeah. Oh, he was episode one. Yeah. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he taught me to, uh, to flow much better than I ever had before. Uh, to let go and to and to trust, you know. And he, he's great to work with because uh, he completely trusted me and whatever he, you know, whatever I wanted to do. I'd ask him, like I kept asking and asking, like, what about this? He, he's like, yeah. And after like the <laughs> fifth or sixth time, he's like, dude, just do whatever. Like, I was like oh, okay, <laughs> uh, I get it now. And that's <laughs> part of why doing it with your friends is important. Is right. You don't. You give your friends more freedom yeah than strangers and to you're, you're free to be vulnerable with your friends and, too. and it, strangely enough part of being friends is being able to uh say things that you couldn't say to your yeah. non-friends yes exactly mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and um what a great um thing to have to learn is to let go and kind of flow with the situation because yeah that's what life is about in in challenging situations yeah is are you gonna are you going to stiffen up and let that situation like shut you down or are you going to flow around it and yeah. get around the obstacles, right? Yeah. The whole, the be like water, Bruce Lee mm-hmm. mentality. Yeah. It's like some new school of Zen. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's absolutely. Like yet another way art reflects life. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have, um, do you have like a, a specific mission or statement or sense of purpose in what you're doing? In a way, Yes. Kind of, I like having um, kind of broad goals for the business as a whole because that leads to a lot of um, a lot of freedom for what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But you know, I I think the reason I love this genre of art and why I got into just art and clothing in general is because it's uh, it's a very open ended possibility kind of situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I like the idea of um, let's just evolve this thing as much as possible and see where it takes us. And, you know, if I had to pick an actual goal, it would be I just want to show people things that they've never seen before. Yeah. I mean, that's the best part about art, isn't it? Yeah. Instilling a sense of wonder. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, possibilities. And- but it's, uh, uh, you know, it's the same as trying to go to the moon or Mars. We're yeah. trying to go and see things or show things to people that have never been seen before. And mm-hmm. to me that really connects in with what humans are all about. Like yeah, we're yeah. explorers and we're very curious people. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's more exciting than being able to make an image that no one's ever seen before. Yeah. Like, and that's, I mean, that's like medicine for the world. It, it's, you know, it becomes popular 
especially now to be so down about the state of things. Mm. And instead you're totally. like, no, but there's endless possibilities. Look over here. Yeah. Yes. Like, we can, like, and through completing those possibilities, you know what? Yeah. One of the actual goals that I usually think about is I hope people look at this and realize like, they can create their own life too. Right. You can, you can make life however you imagine it in your head. Mm -hmm. And hopefully you have, you know, good things that you want to create the world into. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of examples of people using a creative vision in a really dark and twisted way. Um, Yeah. yeah. That's a whole other type of creativity. But um, being able to make uh, the world the way you want it, that's like... To me, that's kind of the definition of magic is magic is taking something and turning it into something completely different that you've decided on. Exactly. And that that highest form of magic, like you listening at home, that love you feel in your heart and that thing you wish you can, you could do if you just start, if you (laughs) just try and you don't try to do, if you do it and you follow that thing, you'll be so surprised at how your reality will transform. And that's a habit you can build yeah. of mm-hmm. just doing instead of thinking about mm-hmm. it. Uh, yeah. And yeah. eventually that'll, it'll make you very, um, it'll make you very, um, it'll make you super okay with whatever happens Yeah, because you're always doing things. And when you do a lot of different things, the results are going to vary. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. going to be good and bad Exactly. And that's just part of being active and pulling those, you know, life has all these levers to pull Mm -hmm. and I like pulling all of them to see what happens. Uh, (laughs) Who cares if it it fucks you up for a while? Like that'll be a good learning experience too. Yeah, because you learn, right? You just, you decide to face it and you keep the things that are great. You embrace those and then you find out what doesn't work. Discard that and you wake up one day and, uh, because you had the balls to go for it, all of a sudden you have a ton of cool friends. You're surrounded by yeah. great artwork. Uh, you get to what you do in your daily life is fun, and if it's limitless. And yeah. yeah, like the whole thing transforms just by, I don't know, following that impulse. Uh, and it's something everyone has. Like exactly, we all can take actions and and come up with words that do things in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of, it's what being a person is all about. We, we learn this crazy language that mm-hmm. we get programmed with. And then that language is this weird opportunity to like put our change into the world. Yeah. You can arrange those words however you want and exactly. throw them out there and see what happens. Maybe, <laughs> maybe you'll start something new and maybe someone will punch you in the face. Like, <laughs> you know, words can yeah. make a lot of things happen. Yeah. 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 You were talking about levers, like pulling levers. Uh, I wanted to ask you specifically about, um, like, so getting back to you start the Rada in Wisconsin? Yes. In 2009. Yep. And so, like, one of the big levers you must have pulled was making the move out to Colorado. Yeah, and absolutely. When did that happen? Maybe just tell us a little story about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I really wanted this whole thing to stick in Wisconsin because... I, you know, when you grow up in a place and you're an artist, you kind of just hope you can help make that place cooler or better or more fun for everybody. Sure. And, uh, the young people of Wisconsin were totally ready for me, but the existing framework of Wisconsin is still not at all ready for, for something, um, 
extremely uh, difficult to understand for some people. Mm-hmm. Um, and Wisconsin's a very traditional place. It has, it's a very traditional set of values. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of has this identity that's, it feels a little locked in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was there for a couple of years and you know what? Things were going pretty well because I was focusing mostly on the internet. Yeah. I kind of knew Wisconsin wasn't going to blow up into like the headquarters of, uh, the mm. craziest art on earth. <laughs> um, so I just, you know, just tried to make it as widespread as possible. I really wanted to just send things all over the world. And after a couple of years, I had some really good data to look at mm. from, Hey, these are the places in the world that like wants this stuff to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the two States that showed up at the top after a few years were California and Colorado. Right. Yep. So those felt like my options. Mm-hmm. Nice. Why, why'd you pick Colorado? Uh, I think it was, it was because I, I had this sense of this place having a way more open sense of what its identity is. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. Denver is a, a changing city that's changing really quick and it's finding out what its identity is. Yeah. Whereas in California, those places felt uh, like really cemented. These people yeah. know what this place is. Mm-hmm. Um, and California already has all of the amazing centers for art. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everyone yeah. there is already integrated with the art world. They have Hollywood and the music industry and, there's been a great visual street art scene in the Bay area and Los Angeles, like for a Mm -hmm. long time. Yeah. So it felt like maybe they didn't need me as much. And Mm. this seemed a little more relaxed. There's less people. Yeah. Yeah. So something about, uh, the mountains too. There's like this grounded openness to this area. It's not, it doesn't like, there's something about this area. I don't know if it's the land humming at a certain frequency, Mm. but it's, like it's not a competitive thing happening here. It's very collaborative. It and, feels and that way. Open ended. Mm-hmm. And why do you like what? What do you think the reason is for that? I don't know. I, it's like we're in the middle of the country. Yeah. It's like this middle spot. Uh, yeah. The mount. I think being surrounded. I think there's something to mountains. There definitely that is, ground I people think. or to humble you. You, or, you can't really climb a mountain. Com- well, you can metaphorically speaking, it's harder to climb a mountain just by yourself. Mm. And so if you have like moral support, even if it's just people who appreciate what you're doing, um, then I think it's easier to climb those mountains. Also, Colorado seems to be like, um, like like everyone's moving here. It's more fertile, I think. Mm, Uh, It it seems to be like the new cool place to move, you know? (laughs) Um, And so I think we have um, just a lot of people who are kind of in that same mindset of uh, this unexplored territory a little bit. Yeah, like that's that's what the West was all about. Yeah, if you look at California, like the major hubs are um, on the on the beaches typically. And to use a metaphor again, if you're looking on a beach, the unexplored territory is the ocean, um, which is a little bit, you know, people have sailed for, for ages, but like a mountain is unexplored territory that you can see. Whereas the ocean is like, 
just like the benthic depths and all yeah, that. Just terrifying. Yeah, it's just completely <laughs> terrifying. <laughs> and so, I mean, and that's a very literary, like metaphorical way of speaking. I mean, we, about we it. literally don't know what's down there. Yeah. Right. Whereas with the <laughs> mountains, yeah, we, it's like, we're, we're pretty sure. See the peak. Yeah. <laughs> there might be Bigfoot, but that's it. Yeah. <laughs> there might be the Chupacabra. Um, but I like what you're saying. Uh, and I, I agree. I think being able to look at something that's so much bigger than yourself mm-hmm. gives mm-hmm. you uh, maybe a nice way of having big ideas. Yeah. Yeah. Instead, of, Yeah. It's like, um, I don't know. I like I lived in Philly. It's a lot of head down out here. It's a <laughs> yeah. lot of looking up and out. Oh, okay. yeah. And there's so, so much expansion. more open space. Like you can literally see for hundreds of miles. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things that really struck me when I first got here is I don't think I've ever seen this far before. Right. Yeah. And it felt really inspiring to just, uh, like the further you can see, the better sense you have of where you are. Right. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's why people love, uh, uh, lookout spots or mm-hmm. going yeah. to the top of the Sears tower or yeah. <laughs> going or going to the beach. Cause you get to see for hundreds of miles yeah. if you're on the beach, which yeah. is, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. And the other thing too is, I think, you know, wasn't this area kind of founded because of like a gold rush and mining? Yeah, and definitely. And we're like in this, there's like this repeating pattern in this area. Now we're all yeah. like, it's like this creative, right? Gold, gold rush. rush. Yeah. You know, like something's happening. We're so many people are moving out here, and like, oh, what have you found out? Like, yeah. you know, we're meeting, like, exploring creative boundaries. And yeah. I, th- I think that's what's always separated this place. If, if you're going to come up with an identity for this area, it's this is where people would go um, if they wanted to kind of try something outside of the yeah. establishment that was uh, happening on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. the East Coast is where everything was established yeah. in terms of, of the America we know now. Yeah, people came across the pond and then just yes. plopped. And whoever just didn't want to be part of that existing framework. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the government had a bunch of programs where if you came out here, they would give you a piece of land just to oh, try to shit. help settle this area. And mm-hmm. so people were inspired by this is cool. I can co- go out to this new place and make my life the way mm-hmm. I want it to be. Yeah. It's interesting. And I was also thinking about, um, you know how you said like Wisconsin, the culture wasn't ready for what we're grooving on and what I think is kind of interesting and it plays into the hero's journey of, so we move somewhere where it is happening. Right. And then there's a bunch of people working creatively, you know, uh, artists and musicians, um, transforming culture, science, studying psychedelics, transforming culture. And if that spreads out and starts saturating those towns that weren't ready for it, you and can then go back. you could go back at some Absolutely. point, Absolutely, you know, yeah. And that's that's pretty that's exciting it's beautiful yeah. it's like you did such a good job that you you ended up completing your original thought of i'd like to make this place a little different yeah yeah did you ever hold that in the back of your mind of like maybe one day i would really like the idea of going back and like participating more Mm-hmm. in that area because I still think it needs it. Yeah. But it's it's fully accepted now, um, you know, in the, especially with younger people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's, we're in this cool transition point where this stuff yeah. is uh, starting to not be looked at as something strange. 
Exactly. Right. 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 Yeah. We were, we were talking earlier how, you know, a lot of us have all had a hunch. There's something to, uh, psychedelics, you know, spirituality, whatever, like this, it's been this like underground thing. There's something to this. Mm-hmm. It all ties in together. Creativity. Yeah. Mind absolutely. expansion. And then you were referencing, what was that article called? Uh, let's see. I think, so it's a business insider article. That's, I think it's titled how mushrooms change the brain. Mm-hmm. I believe it's somewhere along those lines. Um, but it's really cool to just to see kind of objective opinions and data coming out about psychedelics. Cause to me, that's why psychedelics are amazing is because they objectively do something to everybody. Mm-hmm. This isn't, it never relies on the placebo effect. Yeah. Right. And so we've, you know, we're, we have discovered these incredibly powerful things that do something fascinating to anyone who takes them. Mm-hmm. And that puts them in a category of their own, obviously. That's why, you know, that's why the people who know about them are obsessed with them. because yeah. we realize this thing is different. It's mm-hmm. very different mm-hmm. from what anything else you can eat for the most part. Um, Your whole idea of reality is transformed. And this article did a great job just showing the objective situation of taking uh, magic mushrooms, which is your brain creates new pathways uh, between parts of it that didn't communicate as much before. (laughs) And one of the fascinating parts about it, which ties into uh, mushroom therapy, there's been lots of talk about mushrooms helping with depression Mm -hmm. and this article mentioned that depression happens because the part of the brain where your sense of self is formed is too much wired into itself oh so it's like oh wow so it breaks up yeah so you're stuck in a lot of repeated loops in Mm -hmm. your sense of self and it makes hard to break out of your idea of why you're depressed because people become depressed because of their idea of their self in a lot of ways wow so you're like there's a feeling of being stuck in it and like physically yes you become it and literally wow if you think about these pathways as physical properties you're physically stuck uh with your state of mind in in a sense not that you not that you couldn't use meditation or traveling or something else to broaden your mind but Mm -hmm. psychedelics are powerful because it's it's instant and Mm -hmm. and you don't have to you know buy a plane ticket to 2000 miles away. Right. Um, and so I, I just thought that was fascinating and, um, and it ties in with the creativity aspect too. I, I kind of think this thing we call creativity is, uh, we're just witnessing people making unique combinations between Mm -hmm. different pieces of knowledge and experience in their brains. And so psychedelics can help with that because, it can maybe show you you have these two things in your head already that are very creative when you put them together, but maybe you yeah. hadn't thought of that combination before. Yeah, and it's like this simple brilliance. You mm. had this here, this here, and all of a sudden they combine together and it, it opens this whole new lane of reality to yes. explore. And I think if you look at the people we look up to as the creative heavyweights, the Da Vinci uh, and Teslas, um, they're famous for kind of showing us, oh, these two things fit together that we hadn't thought of before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're yeah. showing us how reality can be combined in new ways. Yeah, <laughs> it's cool. Yeah, it, it's interesting. Yeah, how we, how finally 
we're allowed to actually scientifically research psychedelics. Yeah. And there's an actual physical, like what we are experiencing subjectively, our transformation yeah. is happening, happening physically in the brain. Yeah. And it's one and the same. And it, it's like, it's validating, I think, you know, for absolutely. It's this growing culture of people that use them and have their lives transformed and their, and scientists being like, yeah, this is happening. And I, yeah. I think it's uh it's definitely a way that we can help with the world's problems because since we're all human, um, we have to have transformation in ourselves in order to make the world a better place. Mm-hmm. And like you were saying, nothing does it faster. Nothing does it with more efficacy than mm-hmm. psychedelics do. It's like yeah. so effective and so like, you scary know, effect, scary, effect. <laughs> like if you don't want to change your life, you should still probably take psychedelics. But, uh, also that's why you're probably trembling if someone's like, <laughs> all right, let's, let's eat this and see what happens. Yeah. So you're diving into the unknown and all these unknown parts of yourself. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I, I really think that it's along with, um, you know, just more, art, music, understanding, compassion. It's a great way to change the world. And I yeah. think that that's why people are so drawn to quote unquote psychedelic visionary genreless art that we've been talking about it's because yeah. it's, it's a reflection of that experience mm-hmm. and that state of mind. Yeah. And it, yeah. And it, and it also occurs to me that like, um, in the individual, so the more people are, experiencing the state of consciousness right where you wake up to you had this separate part of yourself this separate part this separate part and then you see the way that they all weave together the more individuals that that occurs to the in the collective the collective will melt together and merge instead of being like here's this pocket of society over here and this over here and this over here the more people realize that all these individual aspects of themselves weave together to something greater than themselves. Mm-hmm. That's reflected in the culture at large. Yeah. It's like, yeah. you can think of the culture as like the brain of, mm-hmm. of the world or whatever. And Terrence calls the culture, your operating system. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. but it also, something else I wanted to say is it, it breaks down ideology and it breaks down these cultural barriers and boundaries that we have between each other where in our, you know, day to day we get fed all this media stuff and there's a lot of people shoving narratives down our throat from the top that aren't necessarily true. Mm-hmm. And especially if you if you hang out with a person from a different culture, you realize that like we all kind of want the same things. Yeah. We all just yes. want a happy life. Totally. We all want to keep the bill collectors away you know like, <laughs> we all want uh, our our kids in our community to to be healthy exactly mm-hmm. yeah. and um that's that's what i think has been really drawing people into these music festivals they have this psychedelic element that kind of helps people you know connect um on a more primal level you mm-hmm. kind of you're realizing oh this is what being a person is all about is we get together and we be social and we yeah. We, we dance together yeah. and try to make things together and uh, look out for each other. Yeah, it's like a temporary, gigantic family or tribe. And just like any family, there's there's problems. Yeah, sure. That's exactly. part of being a human. And um, yeah, someone phrased phrased the whole uh, the 
the love thing really well once uh, and they said you know you should really try your best to love everyone but you definitely don't have to like everyone and you can uh yeah you know you can avoid people that rub you the wrong way without condemning them or or you not know. putting them out of your heart right they always yeah. have a spot in your heart you care for them and you yeah like somebody, if you saw them in trouble like you yeah help them exactly out, and you know? yeah. loving does, someone doesn't have to mean you want to be around them all the time and, and and be a part of their life and stuff it it just means you're recognizing that they're another person who has their own issues mm-hmm. and you're not going to add to those issues. Yeah. yeah. Because exactly. that's, that's the opportunity we have with everyone in our life. You can try to make their life easier or you can try to make their life harder. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And all you want is for somebody to feel okay. And you know, namaste motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. Is <laughs> is kind of, uh, you know, as much as that term feels a little overused sometimes there's a lot of wisdom in it exactly yeah that's all these all these things that have become like almost cheesy tropes like right namaste or whatever Mm -hmm. but like at the core of it is the essence of the whole thing yeah you know well i also think it's important to um not take yourself or or whatever practice you're involved in too seriously you got to be able to make fun of it a little bit and you yeah. have to be able to, yes, absolutely. You have to be able to be made fun of with like, like, ah, all right. Yeah. Kind of <laughs> vibe. And you know, the, the coolest people I've met, I'm looking at this Alex Gray print right here and uh, he being. is a really funny guy. He's very funny actually. As, as right. well as like a, you know, the, kind of the grandfather I guess you could say at this point of of visionary psychedelic art and he's a perfect example of someone who who doesn't take himself super seriously Mm -hmm. yes absolutely real easy to talk to you know and you know what I think the the reason people get upset when you get made fun of is you haven't uh you haven't really um you haven't totally accepted all the things about yourself right. because shadow. every, every one of us is hilariously messed up. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. we, we all mm-hmm. are so strange and we all have laughable qualities about us. Yeah. And if you haven't laughed at those qualities about yourself yet, mm-hmm. then you're not probably not ready for other people to laugh about them. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And like, um, accepting the full spectrum of you as a being, you know, right. You're the yeah. brightest it's okay to be messed up because everyone's got, we have, we've all got our own version of being a fucked up, crazy human. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is like the people who out there who think they're the most normal person. That might be the weirdest thing you could be. Yeah. Yeah. As normal as possible. Um, you know, it's kind of hard to accept, but sometimes the people that seem like they're off the deep end, maybe, are just the most in touch. They have yeah. accepted that reality is kind of insane. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, if you let that in to your brain, uh, in the deepest way possible, you might be a little insane too. Yeah. 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 I, don't, I don't think like as a world or as a one planet, we can really move forward and tackle all the problems that we need to. Um, if we're lugging around this like unconscious mind that, is unexamined, like unexamined drives, um, mm-hmm. weird quirks that we try and, you know, 
box up in the attic of our mind and, and never look at just good old fashioned bad habits that yeah, we yeah, all exactly. have. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, like maybe the, one of the worst habits right now is people just trying to take the easy way out with everything, mm. you know, yeah. going for a convenience over hard work, over hard right work or yeah. challenge. Yeah. yeah. So, um, in terms of, uh, I mean, this is kind of a, uh, you know, run of the mill question, but like in terms of influences, um, who or what do you, do you have kind of like tucked under your arm, uh, whether it's another painter, artist, visual artist, music, um, philosophy, are there any that, that stand out? Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, in terms of visual artists, just the people in art history that were so set on, you know, creating their own language with, with paint, mm-hmm. people like uh, Van Gogh and Monet and then Dali. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just people who were so set on uh, figuring out their own way to, to show you everything and, mm-hmm. and show you who, who their artist self is and, mm-hmm those are the, the people who really got in touch with this is what I can do that makes me unique. Yeah. They, they redefined art. Um, they weren't scared to express themselves. Not scared to explore or be different from people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really look up to those type of archetypes, people who lo- showed up and changed everything like mm-hmm. Carl Jung with psychology. Yeah. yeah. He's uh, a hero of mine for just thinking about how we are as people Mm -hmm. he you know he came up with the ideas of being an introvert and an extrovert and his ideas about archetypes all these things i find very useful for just understanding what being a person is all about yeah i'm a big fan as well Mm -hmm. he's (laughs) fantastic whether or not you agree with all of his ideas he wasn't afraid to come up with new things Mm -hmm. and then Bruce Lee is kind of uh, a hero of mine in the arts because, um, you know, I felt like he was the first person to show me that uh, there's no correct medium for art Mm. because that's what he changed about the martial arts world Mm. is he told everyone, look, your style doesn't matter. It's how you use it. Mm. Use whatever you want in the moment. Mm -hmm. Use what's right for you. And I really believe in that for visual art is there's no right or wrong medium here Mm -hmm. it's what are you going to do with it and and how how are the results is Is it it, effective yes is it effective is it what you want Mm -hmm. and so that's kind of how i've tried to run my uh my operation is we're not going to be stuck on this is the way to make art yeah painting isn't the best way to make art digital art isn't the best way to make art these are just ways you can do it mm-hmm. and the results are what matters okay and uh, it's one of the things i find funny when i hear uh people talk about digital art and how easy it may be mm. uh, <laughs> but if that were the case there wouldn't be so much like random digital art out there uh right. there's no shortcuts to making an amazing piece yeah, you right. have to be you have to have the fundamental skills to be a good digital artist, just like mm-hmm. you do as a painter. Totally. And these things all kind of tie into each other. Yeah. Those are the same That's kind it. of people who uh, booed Bob Dylan the first time he 
broke out an electric guitar. Yeah. You know, it's like the purest yeah. kind of like. Yes. The but purest. Then it's like. Or gatekeepers, you, yeah. you could call them. Mm, yeah. yeah. Or if you take it all the way back, it's like, yeah, I only like cave paintings. Like and you hear, you hear the same even within painting, uh, like the endless acrylic versus oil, oil. battle that's yeah. happening <laughs> as we speak. The it's fight like, for supremacy. Yeah. Uh, it's like, does that shit look dope or not? Yeah. Like, exactly. yes. Whatever. What I would like to point out to people is, okay, say you're an oil painter and you believe oil is the best. Are you making better paintings with your oil than some of these top acrylic artists? Mm-hmm. Because if not, maybe that's really not the best way for you to go. Yeah. Maybe, maybe your, it's not the medium. Your mm-hmm. first principles need examining. And yes. Maybe take foundation. some mushrooms. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> so here's, here's something I did want to mention real quick that's difficult for people to understand about psychedelics is right now they have this mystique to them that they can kind of just change you into mm. a really creative, like unique person, which Mm-mm. is totally possible integration you need the foundation of things that could become unique yeah Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. and without like real deep knowledge of certain things or deep experiences of certain things the the pathways the psychedelics will connect for you maybe aren't gonna do as much right unless you've you gotta like you gotta preload all the stuff yeah it's like if you're making a song in ableton uh, having all that preloaded stuff is going to make the song come up really quick because yeah. there's things to play with. Exactly. Right. Uh, but if you're just starting from scratch and you want to write like, you know, a piece like Mozart, it probably isn't just going to happen out of nowhere. No, no. you definitely have to uh, yeah. work. It's, yeah, I think um, the idea that psychedelics are just a uh, this analogous to like a, a pharmaceutical drug um, that will just kind of treat the symptoms and just make you f- feel better automatically uh, is it's a it's a bit of a I guess what misunderstanding I think that people have about them. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see what the ultimate consensus is in maybe like twenty or thirty years yeah, yeah, about yeah. what these things actually do to us. Right. Yeah. Um, for now, it's kind of like we're just we're uh, accepting the status of guinea pig. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Um, who knows what we've done to our brains. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm hoping it was it was something helpful. It uh, seems pretty it healthy. It feels like it was in some ways. Well, so, and there's like the balance of, you know, opening yourself. It's an opening and it mm-hmm. shows you potential. Yeah. But there's a common thing that we all have too is that we work really hard. Yeah. You know, we are sober and we put our nose down and we do the work, Yeah, you know, and, and that's something to not be overlooked. You know, you can't just take drugs and everything's going to work yes, out. Right. And, and that's the downfall of looking at other artists on the internet, right? Is you can't get a sense of hard work through just a picture of the painting yeah, or right. what the artist had to go through to get to that point. Right. Mm-hmm. The context is always kind of lost. Yeah, and exactly. um, that's why these kind of podcasts are good because you now you can get the context for yeah how did this thing end up this way yeah right uh, didn't just like pop out of nowhere right. like 
you don't you don't take mushrooms and all of a sudden have uh, willpower. Yeah. Or uh, which you know what I don't want to make any like objective claims about that, but uh-huh. you never know what'll happen. Right. I That's think true. there are people out there who have had one or two trips, uh, and were just at the perfect time in their life mm-hmm. where it really did. Yeah. propel them with an energy that they could have never had before certainly yeah. certainly Very and true. i think i've seen that in some some of the artists in our scene for yeah. sure mm-hmm. yeah it's just a it it's a it's a balanced reading of of the situation or surrounding psychedelics it's not like it's not like they're not necessarily going to give you an extra boost in certain mental capacities but it's not like they automatically will either it's mm-hmm. all about that set in setting there are definitely are objective things like with lsd it will give you energy no matter what oh yeah and right. it's really fascinating how it's kind of guaranteed if you take this much your brain's gonna have energy for 20 hours mm-hmm. yeah. whether you're ready for it or not right <laughs> yeah. right exactly yeah. good luck falling asleep yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah for real um but I, I, I also kind of think people lost a bit of the set and setting um, yeah. seriousness because mm-hmm. that's what we're rediscovering with uh, the uh, therapeutic uses is if you give someone the right setting and have everything be, be very intentional, the results can be much more helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because there's a, these kind of these two schools, right? There's this whole party culture it's the it's mary pranksters versus timothy leary was yeah. the, the like og psychedelic yeah. battle mm-hmm. from what i understand <laughs> yeah or even ram das who you know took so much lsd just and he talks about uh chasing that feeling mm. and then he realized that like oh this feeling can just be kind of cultivated now that i've been there mm. um mm-hmm. and i don't I think after a certain point he didn't ever really take acid again and he just kind well, of you know, became his own guru. A, I was actually, um, I was listening to a talk that he was giving mm-hmm. well after he was doing the whole Ramdas thing. Mm-hmm. And he said he did still take psychedelics mm-hmm. and, but it wasn't the thing, but he still found it to be an interesting experience and it could show him, blind spots and weaknesses, but it wasn't like the main event of his life. Right. It was another tool in his toolbox of being a loving being. Right. And I think that's something interesting too, is like you, you don't want to give your power to anything. Like I need this to do this. Right. And instead it's all it, there. Everything becomes a tool for awakening in a way. Right. You know, it's like the big picture kind of thing rather than, being, yeah, needing something or using mm-hmm. it as a crutch because although psychedelics certainly are not physically addictive, you can kind of maybe get the sense like, oh, well, I'm going to create a better painting or or a piece of music or whatever yeah. because I have this tool. It's like you can't use a drill to hammer a nail. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes you just need a little bit of elbow grease. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and a lot of times like, my wife Blair, she's so grounded and like, we'll be doing something awesome. And I'll be like, man, this would be so cool for tripping. And she's like, it's so great now. Just, like, <laughs> just let it be great. And I'm like, oh, you're so right. Uh. <laughs> it's, I guess it's a bit of one of those cart before the horse situations. Mm-hmm. Like, don't forget you are already 
this crazy psychedelic thing. Like we're already yeah. conscious and going through this wild experience of, of being aware of everything. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy enough as it is. Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, it's kind of, to me, it seems like an extreme sport for your brain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, right. Yeah. It's like bungee jumping. It's like wing, yeah. like, you know, if wingsuiting was the most extreme sport for your body, DMT. psychedelics is how to wingsuit <laughs> yeah. with your brain <laughs> yeah. and you might crash. That's true. That's very you true. You might end up somewhere weird. That's so, a great analogy. Did, did you have a, any particular, uh, breakthrough experience on, uh, say mushroom? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Would you like to talk about it? Yeah, it was, a, it was really, um, just what I needed. I felt like, um, I had been introduced to smoking marijuana by my freshman year college roommates <laughs> shout out to you guys <laughs> um and um strangely enough when i first ate shrooms uh my friend completely misinformed me about what they were like because <laughs> he was telling me what they were like for him uh, yeah and for him he was like it's like being really stoned <laughs> and i nope. i was ready you know i was like oh great well let's try it <laughs> and uh thankfully our our place to do it was just in that was really nice park at night there was nobody there and nice. uh i just got to really be in some grass around trees and walk around and think about what i was doing and what, what existence is like mm -hmm. and uh it was just such a profoundly visual experience i had so much more understanding of what of of how much was happening around me that that inspiration was just like, wow, I have to try to get this into my visual art because mm -hmm. this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I, f I feel like people some sometimes uh, kind of, they kind of twist the intention behind psychedelic art. Like it's not all about showing people, oh, this is how to be super spiritual. It's more just, it's an excitement of having an experience mm -hmm. that you can't stop thinking about. Yeah. And right. then you the make that interesting it. thing you ever. Yes. Right. And, and if who's gonna not want to translate their most interesting life experience into exactly. their, their art process, mm -hmm. especially when it, uh, can affect not only you, but so many different levels of how, the world is experienced for other people you know if you can like if it helps you usually that means it's going to help somebody else at least one other person and then if that you know you can just take that and just kind of exponentially multiply it um to however many people are ready to be reached by that thing and mm -hmm. so when you have all these like good things in this kind of like hierarchy of orders like order of an individual an order of a group an order of a city on and on absolutely and i feel like it's important not to forget that the psych you know experiences in life and psychedelic experiences can be very dark too yeah and yes. translating those is also important because mm. it often helps, overlooked yes but it helps people uh understand and deal with your own, their own dark experiences. Mm -hmm. And I try to keep that in mind with, with what I'm doing. I, I, I want there to be kind of an undertone of the dark side in there too. Mm -hmm. And that's why I like, uh, themes of duality because mm -hmm. it's showing us like, these are the, these are the two things you're going to experience. 
yeah. being alive. You're mm-hmm. going to experience the light and you're going to experience the darkness. Yeah. And we have to talk about and understand both of those things mm-hmm. to be, to be balanced. And that's how you give a full picture of, I don't know what your chosen term is, but God, the universe yeah. is showing the whole thing, you know? And that, I mean, that's, that's true health is recognizing the full spectrum you know, and not shying away from it. Yeah. And Carl Jung said some really cool stuff about how you can't really understand yourself until you understand your darkness Mm -hmm. because without knowing your darkness, then you might fall into having it do things to you. You're controlled by not aware of. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Unexamined desires. Totally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, you can't have a nice mango tree without a little compost. <laughs> How nice. <Yes>. Yeah. <laughs> Had that one tucked away ready. Just ready. Is that, is, is that an original like uh, phrase? or is that no, a... that's synthesized from probably a lot of different things. Did I, just, it? I just really like mangoes, and I got a compost bin in my backyard. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the mangoes make it seem more unique. Yeah. I like that. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I have a pedestrian question. If, Let's do it. <laughs> um, what about, so, you know, we talked about like art influences. Um, and I know like your, your clothing is part of your art, but like, were you influenced stylistically by a certain designers or like the skateboard industry or like hip hop? Like w- where does your unique style of clothing come from? Like, oh, okay. Yeah. In terms of just the clothing. Mm-hmm. Um, I was always obsessed with just fun colors when I was a kid. I got to grow up in the like the golden age of sick <laughs> rad colors in the like, early 90s. Yeah, like the fucking neon and windbreakers and Since shit. I wasn't really uh making art when I was a kid, these are my memories of visuals is like my favorite colors that I would wear. Mm-hmm. And I remember just looking forward to wearing this specific combo of purple and teal and just being (laughs) excited all day that I had those colors on. Hell yeah. And, um, you know, shoes were a big part of it too. Mm -hmm. I was obsessed with how, how much artistic design could be put in shoes Yeah, and, uh, all the unique ways of making the fabrication, putting all these gel inserts in and unique designs and just Mm -hmm. really inspired me like, wow, you know, making clothing is really, it's about as artistic as it gets. It's wearable art, you know? Yeah. And, and, you know, there's some people who like to say, uh, something can only be art if it has no function other than being itself. I didn't know that. It's kind of, you know, I've heard this actually with, I've heard this with, with car enthusiasts that Mm. a car can't be true art because its main purpose is to be driven. Mm. Um, but in terms of the clothing stuff, uh, it, it's, it's really just a function of this is how we look as humans mm-hmm. and, um, being able to display the art that you care about on your body, I think is super powerful. And that's, to me, that's why tattoos have really had this resurgence too, is because we've realized how awesome it is to get to choose what mm-hmm. our bodies look like. Yeah. And in that way, I think it's the same as painting because we're just we're choosing what a canvas will look like, or we're choosing what this wall will look like. Mm-hmm. And it's it's to me, it's kind of the same thing, but it's just not on the wall; it's on your body. Yeah. And uh, the fun part about it is you get to kind of 
be one with it. You get to be the thing. Yeah, you're mm-hmm. like this animated. You're like an animated expression of the artwork. You yeah, know? it's cool. And well, one of the ch- major challenges is that I've kind of found most art shouldn't be made in clothing, <laughs> yeah. because there's oh, there's all these weird things to consider about the human body and what colors look good on our skin and, mm. and what things people feel when they wear sh- certain shapes. Yeah. And all of these things are very abstract. <laughs> and, uh, I've, it's like, I'm trying to crack this, this unknowable formula of yeah. this is what makes people feel good and what looks really good to mm-hmm. have on our body. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's like a piece of art, like cracking that code, that puzzle. You know, that's kind of what I think uh, making something is in a way. It's like a puzzle. It's you're, you're taking all these pieces of experience and knowledge and even your blind spots and misunderstandings and you're just kind of putting, throwing all the pieces on the table and being like, all right, how can I fit these things together? <laughs> right. And sometimes, um, sometimes you get the whole puzzle and sometimes you're missing a few pieces. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> That's just part of the, the part of the experience. Yeah. yeah. Now it, you, you also mentioned, sorry. Um, so you mentioned you were really influenced by shoes. Do you think we would ever see Threda footwear in the future? Yes. As, as long as I can oh. do it the right way. Hell yeah. 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 Like I, I don't want to make a piece of clothing unless I know it's going to be uh, competing with the best version of that piece of clothing that people know about. Okay. Cause yeah. that's the goal of the art too, is we're trying to show people the best version of this type of art possible. And mm-hmm. so same with the clothing, even if it's a t-shirt, like I want this to be the best damn t-shirt Heck that yeah. is available. Hell yeah. Yeah, man. Which is really weird to try to do. Cause, uh, there's only so many things you can change about a t-shirt. Mm-hmm. Right. But there are like, 500 different fitting t-shirts out there so there is definitely work to do to figuring out like which one of these really works best for people yeah i mean a t-shirt is such a simple piece of clothing but it's rare when you buy a t-shirt that it like fits you absolutely it just hangs perfect and the material's good and you're like and you know one of the reasons (laughs) we've most we're really known for our men's clothing and it's just because this is stuff I've thought about for a long time, buying men's clothing myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've had all this experience of knowing, well, I don't really like how this type of hoodie fits, or I don't really like this type of fabric on my pants. Yeah. Or, and so I had like a lifetime of thinking about this stuff to mm-hmm. put into my designs. And I'm, I've been looking for the way to do it for women's clothing too. Yeah. And lately I've been realizing it just means finding a woman who has yeah. a similar mindset as me. And so exactly. I'm kind of on the lookout now for this person who can Hello. do a version yeah. of what I like to do for myself, but yeah. do it for themselves as a woman. Yeah. Ooh, so ladies, if you're listening and you want to? That's job? right. I'm I'm looking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a business partner, right? Or yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Um, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, um, this is totally off topic now. But you were talking about um, people wearing art and kind of like being an expression of uh, you know the artwork by virtue of having it on your body. Um, do you, like how do you view humanity? Uh, do you think that we're 
some kind of like piece of artwork in a way or um it's like i guess it's that what i'm trying to uh phrase what i was going to say in a question (laughs) (laughs) that's a bit of a leading question i guess i see (laughs) um i i just think being a person means where you are creative because we're not we're not driven by all of our primal instincts as much as animals we get to create things with our decisions and actions and words we get to play with reality a bit more than the animals do yeah Mm -hmm. like i bet you you know there's some animals that would totally change their clothing if they if they could think of that idea yeah those (laughs) those select few yeah cream of the crop yeah and it's cool because some you know there are certain animals that also do get to customize their look which is Mm -hmm. if you think about these are animals we talk about a lot the chameleon and the, Mm. the cuttlefish and the octopus these are like Mm-hmm. These are some high-level animals. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they get to... They're even cooler than us for customizing their look. It's like <laughs> built right. into there. Do it in real time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, and, and you know what? There's the social aspect to it, too, of sharing someone's art you care about with other people. Yeah. Because you can't invite everyone over to your your bedroom to look at that sick poster on your wall. <laughs> Uh, but yeah. if you've got that art in your jacket, you can take it off and let someone look at it that yeah. you that would never be in your house otherwise. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, I think that's a really cool social feature of having the art on clothing is people will talk to you about it. Yeah. It's, Portable art. I think it's fun to have strangers uh, try to talk to you about artwork. Mm, yeah. I, yeah. I think that's, oh, it's great. I think it's fascinating and mm-hmm. it's cool to do something that makes people talk that don't know each yeah. other. Yeah. I had a, I was wearing one of my own hoodies once in the grocery store and some guy walked by me and he goes, sick hoodie, man. And a part of me wanted to be like, uh, uh, this is my artwork. <laughs> but then I was just like, you know, he appreciates it. He doesn't need my whole story. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, it's, yeah, I, I totally reminded me of Jack Sure, you know wanting to avoid just being like, Oh, I'm an artist. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, cause then it, it does feel a little like you're, uh, kind of like, Oh, well look how interesting I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then it, it kind of sets the tone. Like he was saying in our podcast on uh, episode three, I believe maybe mm-hmm. four. Um, but he was saying in our podcast, it kind of like, you know, everybody's idea of an artist is different. So now they're interacting with you for the first time they've met you kind of through this filter of like, Oh, this guy's like an artist and maybe they don't have the most robust sense of like what an artist is mm-hmm. meaning an artist is just a normal person. M- who, maybe they dated an artist and it was a nightmare. Yeah. 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 Most likely. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, um, I guess yeah, not that's giving, all to say. Not giving someone the chance to draw all their preconceptions. Sure, yeah, is, exactly. It's kind of nice to just meet someone and you're both like just two humans yeah. just talking about normal mm-hmm. life stuff, yeah. whatever yeah. that is. Yeah, and yeah. It, it is this thing, right, where like you, but you're eager to like show people your art. Mm-hmm. Part of it is ego fulfillment, but it's more like, like you're just so excited about the creation of artwork yeah. and the conversation that comes out of it. Yes. And it's this vehicle for connection with other beings. Yeah, you, you get to like melt into it as you see it and talk about it. Right. You know, and you want to, you kind of want to give them the feeling that you had while making it. I think it's, mm-hmm. it's part of the equation there. Yeah. But 
again, just some guy passing me in King Supers being like, Sue Cody. <laughs> and, you know, I didn't need to like, you know, make his experience about me being like, oh, I'm the guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so what's new? What's, uh, what's coming down the pipe with Thereda? Um, you guys have this amazing uh, space here. Yes, on should Santa we, Fe. Should we mention where it is and yeah, when sure. we have events? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're so we're in the classical art district of of Denver, which is on Santa Fe Drive. It's, it's from what I understand, the oldest collection of galleries in the city. And um, yeah, it's fun. It's like we finally got that other piece to the puzzle. Mm-hmm. I've always obviously wanted a gallery because that's how you show people your your artwork yeah uh, and um i was really just waiting for the right space because i didn't want to uh i didn't want to jump into it too early and have it be a little uh not the right fit or um i just wanted it to feel good to people you know yeah, i yeah. like waiting until i feel like this thing is worth sharing yeah you have mm-hmm. really s- strong intuition it seems you know when when's the right moment to jump on something because i mean you held out and this space is perfect thank it's you amazing for I, events i don't yeah. even know if i'd call it intuition it's maybe like a heavy sense of self-criticism where <laughs> I don't like the idea of doing something if I can feel it's not as good as it could be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because to me, like putting something out that you know isn't where it could be is, I hate that feeling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And because once you put it out there, it's done. And mm-hmm. now you get to think about what you've done for the rest <laughs> of your life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I just try to be very careful about what I'm going to be thinking about the rest of my life in terms of what I did with my, like, you know, my ideas for being creative. Yeah. Or mm-hmm. just living your life in general. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. And then the, this gallery space, it's open during the week, right? Yes. And then first Friday of every month, huge gathering down here. Yeah, it's a cool part about Denver. People have a real excitement for going and seeing art here, and it's awesome. Like, the amount of art events you can go to in Denver over the summer is exhausting. Yeah, it's overwhelming. (laughs) It's overwhelming. You'll never be able to go to all of them. And it's always, you know, I just love how it's just such a mixed group of people, families and Mm -hmm. people visiting and every type of person comes out to these things. Yeah. That's what's so cool about being in this location now is so many people that wouldn't otherwise be exposed to this art. Like it's so cool. It's not just like heady scenesters. Like there's little kids looking at the art like, Whoa. Yeah. And I think that's so awesome and inspiring, you know, it it kind of feels like a runaway art project right now Mm -hmm. in Denver where it might have, it might've gone too far, but in the right direction. (laughs) Yeah. 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 For sure. And it's getting crazy, but it's not not an all bad type of crazy at all. Right. Yeah. And you know what? Having kids react to the artwork—that's one of the coolest things. It's so it's, genuine. And it's awesome. I yeah. think they can sense fun. Mm-hmm. And so when they see something and they get a fun reaction out of it, they understand that this this is a really exciting, fun thing to do with life. Yeah. Yeah. And you're opening that potentiality to kids. I mean, the the influence of being in a place like this and seeing this fun artwork, it opens up this idea of like, Oh, I want to make fun art, you know? Yeah. Cause I remember growing up and I thought art was kind of like boring and stuffy. Me too. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know? Mm -hmm. 
So and weird. I think that's that's the majority of what people are still dealing with is our sense of what the art world is like is um, a little outdated for most people. Yeah. I, I can't, there's so many people that when you, they think of an art gallery, they think of looking at that painting that's half black and half red. Like mm-hmm. who's just trying to figure out why don't I get anything out of yeah. this? And there's, yeah, there's like a, a couple paragraph explanation next to the painting and they're like, oh, this is a, this is a, <laughs> a metaphor for yes. the, uh, yeah. For the climate of uh, capitalism versus Marxism. And for, and for okay. me, a lot of times that paragraph <laughs> makes me feel like it's basically saying, hey, idiot, in case, <laughs> yeah. in case you didn't realize how deep this is, you know, here's a, we're throwing you a bone here so you yeah. can participate. But it's, you know, that shit's not cool. I don't know. Like, yeah, there, there's something beautiful about art that is just valuable immediately upon it viewing it. Yep. It's just... It's fun. Not needing to have uh, the context for the art, I think, is really exciting for people. And I think that's why people like to see uh, Rome. It's Mm -hmm. because you don't need any context to see how amazing and detailed the buildings are. It's just, that is the way it is. It's all very artistic. And you don't need anyone explaining to you that, you know, a million hours of carving work is exciting. It just overwhelms you. It's fucking. I I just got back from Rome. I was there like two weeks ago. Just mind blowing, you know. It's, yeah, he's just soaked in art and hard work. Yeah, and yeah. Um, it makes you. It's it's amazing just to think uh, people that had so much less resources could uh, make that happen. Yeah. It's right. insane. It's hard to believe being in the presence of something like that. Just it makes you. It it instills in you. You want to grow and become a better. Being, yep, because it's yep. just so overwhelmingly amazing. Yeah. You're like, oh, I'm not, I'm not doing a damn thing. I yeah. gotta step my shit up, you know. Yeah. There's something really exciting and fun about that. And I, I think, um, I don't know if I'm, I'm really on point with this, but I feel like the idea of art just being super fun and for fun is is a little recent in in the terms of art history. Definitely. Oh yeah, and. Uh, one of the things I wanted to mention was just, I think that kind of switched a bit because of the camera, because mm-hmm. art uh, painting used to be the, the camera. Mm-hmm. If you wanted a scene of your wedding or a king wanted his portrait, mm-hmm. someone was going to paint it. Yeah. Right. And um, when the camera came out, it kind of you know put a stop to just painting things to keep a record of them. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Another fascinating thing about the the camera is that it also aided people in making the most realistic paintings yet of landscapes mm-hmm. because you being a landscape painter in the past meant you had to sit there and try to capture the scene in front of you as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. But now with photos, you could take your time and look at that photo you made and just render everything immaculately mm-hmm. yeah. like they couldn't before. And I think um, just losing that concept of painting is for capturing moments. Mm. Now painting started to become, it's for capturing our creativity mm. and our inspiration that is in our head. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, I love that we're kind of like, it feels like to me we're at the point of this new form of art of it being fun and exciting where it became so accessible to everyone that that aspect of it exploded. Mm-hmm. And we have so many artists now who are doing it cause they're having fun. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's really a new chapter in the art world is we've got all these people all over the world. doesn't matter your 
um, your like income level mm-hmm. art stuff and ways to make art is so accessible now. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, cool. it's like a, a, a camera for the imagination. Yeah. And, anyway. and that's, I think it's one of the best parts about having the job that we do is yeah. we get to try to pick up where words left off because mm-hmm. words can take us to this certain place right. with being creative and having an imagination, but words have so many shortcomings too. Yeah. Yeah. And we all have different ideas about what words mean. Mm-hmm. And so the painting just lets you create things that words could never contain. Exactly. And yeah. that's like, uh, it's, it's beautiful. We're getting to transfer ideas to people that we couldn't tell them about. Yeah. Like literally communicating the ineffable, you know? Yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you know, that is definitely in a tradition in art when you see these epic religious Renaissance paintings. That's yeah. clearly yeah. what they were going for yeah. was yeah. <laughs> yeah. this is heaven. There's no way you could imagine this. You know, mm-hmm. it's <sighs> the, that's what I was picturing. Some of those, like the Sistine Chapel, they're trying yeah. to capture something that people could not fully comprehend themselves. It, yeah. It overwhelms you. And, and yeah, when you're in the Sistine Chapel, you, you get this understanding of the nature of being in such a deeper way than words ever could Mm -hmm. you know you could see you know michelangelo through contemplation and meditation and the words of the bible synthesize these this imagery Mm -hmm. that just like it smacks you in the head and you're like oh (laughs) whoa yeah you know and you're just overwhelmed and you realize the transcendent nature of it all and i think that's cool you know (laughs) yeah it's interesting um like all these uh, old places in the world that have traditions of art, they're uh, places everyone wants to visit. And no one, you know, no one's like, well, maybe they are now, but uh, we're a little more articulated nowadays. But maybe you don't think like, oh, I'm going to uh, the Muslim temples to see the sacred geometric work so that I can get a hit of the transcendent. Mm-hmm. You just go there because yeah. it's like this rich cultural icon, so to speak, that does transcend words and kind of leaves you with this experience of awe. Mm-hmm. And and that's a, you know, I don't know exactly who we're going to reach with this podcast, but anyone listening who's a uh, who might be on a city council or a, a grant board, uh, mm. just know that like, people still go to Paris because of the artwork. Yeah. People still go to Florence, maybe only because of the artwork. Yeah. And so if you really want to build something that lasts, investing in art is, uh, you know, it's a damn fine investment. It seems like the greatest investment you could possibly have is right. investing in creativity and artwork mm-hmm. you know and I, I heard uh i can't remember who it was but someone was talking about the they're changing the stem fields which means science technology engineering st- yeah. and math to steam to include art in that mm-hmm. science technology engineering art and math yeah shout out to homies like neil degrasse tyson and jordan, jordan peterson and yeah. those guys that um that they speak on the importance of art and how integral it is to humanity. You know, a lot of times we might even forget how important, important it is ourselves, artists at home, artists here that, you know, it's like, 
it's the essence of humanity in a way, you know, like you were saying, you know, that's what a human being is. We're creative and we create with art and also science and all that, you know, like we're, we're <laughs> conducting magical spells and constructing, I don't know, a, I suppose a more beautiful world yeah, than what already totally. existed. And I think that that's one of the cool parts about living here. Um, we don't really have a deep thousand year history of artistic traditions in, in right. the U S mm-hmm. and so I feel like the identity for what the artwork could be here was very open-ended because there weren't as many cultural traditions to follow out here. Exactly. And, um, I think that's been really exciting that we kind of are, we're figuring out what we want to make in terms of art mm-hmm. and, uh, and maybe in in Europe, it's almost a bit of a, a a distraction for them because they have such a rich history of what their art looks yeah. like. How do it's you break everywhere. out of there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to consider when you're an artist in Italy and you're an Italian artist. Like there is so much to consider about what being an Italian artist is like. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think that would that would fuck me up. It's a lot of pressure. You, you'd be looking at that yes. shit every day. You're like, what? What do I even do? It it probably has helped some of their artists have that very refined classical sense yeah, too. Exactly. Which I definitely get that when I look at artists from Europe. They they have kind of it's mature. Yes, yeah. they have this pride they have to to kind of continue of mm-hmm. my. Uh, historical ancestors have been making art for a long time and we're really good at it. Yeah. And this is what it looks like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, I know you were doing that, the series of Threda art workshops with, uh, you had a bunch of really incredible artists yeah. host, uh, host art workshops. Yeah. Are you still doing those? Or are you going to do another wave of that? Absolutely. Then? Right on. Yeah. And you know, that was a very new thing for us. And sometimes it takes me a while to, figure out what's our version of this. I like, you know, I'll try an idea just to see how it pans out. Mm-hmm. And then I like to just think about it for like a year or two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> just really let it marinate, uh, before I like do it again. Yeah. And, uh, that way I'm not just like, her, you know, herky jerky all like, over Ugh. the place. It's like, <laughs> I, w- I want to wait to make sure this thing's going to be really a refined thing for people mm-hmm. if possible. Yeah. Did you get some good feedback from those, that first oh, series absolutely. of workshops? And what, you know, one of the challenges is every artist has their own s- distinct way of like communicating with people. Mm-hmm. And so totally. it's fascinating to watch how different each workshop is. And, you know, some artists will just go around and paint on, on every person's canvas and just show them exactly what to do. And others will completely let people, you know, flail around and just yeah. do their thing and then yeah. t- talk about what happened. Yeah. And, uh, there's, you know, I don't think there's a ton of like perfect answers for how to run an art workshop. It could be anything you could, you could just talk about ideas for a few hours and that might be super useful. And yeah. mm-hmm. like, I think the philosophy of, uh, of how to think as an artist is super important. Definitely. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, the techniques and is, is important obviously, but before you do those techniques, your thoughts have to mm-hmm. have a good quality to them too. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the coolest aspects of an art workshop is yeah, not the technique, but just seeing how the artists that you really like, how do they groove with reality? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, getting ahead of that, you know, and yeah. it's not for everyone. Cause 
let's be honest, like for most people talking in front of a group of, of, of others who look up to you is it's kind of daunting and, yeah. and how could you not be nervous? Right. Right. Mm-hmm. You're trying to t- talking about the thing you're most passionate about, I think is also kind of nerve wracking sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Well, cause you care about it so much. Right. And That's why Andrew translate. wouldn't talk to that guy about his hoodie because <laughs> you would have yeah, to talk yeah. to that guy yeah. for hours yeah. or, you know, he might've been like, cool dude. Yeah, <laughs> I just right, like the hoodie, right? right. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's also like at that point, it looks like I'm just trying to make another friend or something. And <laughs> so that's what's cool about art workshops is these people show up because they're ready to listen to you, right? And so it's it's an opportunity to really have people actually take your words and right. like think about them and embed and them and take them seriously mm-hmm. instead of just feeling like, oh, I heard this artist ramble and. <laughs> outside of you. And I was just trying to get mac and cheese. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, sorry. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, artists love to talk about artwork and uh, I think some of us easily get stuck, you know, maybe pushing the limits of what someone else will handle with listening to us. Yeah. Wanting to explain everything is very, you know, it's it's very tempting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially if they seem to have no idea what you're doing. Right. Then you definitely feel like maybe you owe them an explanation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, I don't know, we're like two hours in. Um, I guess this podcast will come out in the next few weeks. Uh, do you have, what kind of events or things do you have in store with Threda? We're going to try to do uh, some really unique collaborative focused events um we're gonna try to you know throw some events that are really focused on people just watching painting and collaboration happen yeah and uh i don't think there's been many uh events that so heavily focus on you are gonna come and watch somebody paint Mm. and and they're gonna paint from start to finish in front of you so you can really understand like what what goes on when somebody has a blank canvas yeah. mm-hmm. and somehow turns it into something in a few hours? That's uh, I think it's something everyone would like to see. Yeah, mm-hmm. and to me, it's a it's akin of uh, akin to having a favorite guitar player or drummer. And I don't know about you guys, but I have no idea what it looks like when I hear this person's insane guitar solo or sure. drum solo mm-hmm. through the record you have to go see them live to understand like, this is how this person makes this work. Yeah, totally. And there's something really impactful about understanding in person what somebody is doing. Yeah. Um, so I would love to just be uh, focusing on giving people the full like creative experience. Right on. Yeah. Cause that's, you know, you, you like to show artwork to people where you get a hit of that person and you can like, you're cranking it up even more by the person creating that artwork. And then you get to actually see the physical body and, you know, somebody gets to say hello to the artist. Maybe yeah, they just get to see the way they smile and move yeah. and, and dip their brush in the paint, all that. There's and a lot to learn there. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, a lot of times I decide things just based on what I would be excited about. Yeah. And I would, be super excited about to watch any of my favorite artists paint for an extended period of time. Totally. Yeah. Um, especially with like, you know, 
at a fun location with a bunch of other people. Mm-hmm. That seems like a great time to me. And oh yeah, I think other people who are really into painting could get a lot out of it. It's kind of uh, it's like a event slash workshop at once because you get mm-hmm. to pick up real life skills. And uh, there's so many weird things with painting that you'd never understand unless you saw that guy set up his palette this way, yep. use the water this way. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so many subtle things that go into how somebody paints. Um, and same with digital art, watching the tools somebody uses in mm-hmm. Photoshop is like, it's yeah. eye-opening every time because totally. there's so many ways to use Photoshop. I learned mm-hmm. something from almost everybody I watch use yeah. Photoshop, even though I've used it for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, and I see it happens vice versa too when people watch me just do a couple little actions there's all these aha moments like, like oh, oh I, I never could do that right. yeah mm-hmm. and so just being in the same space as people is like it's really cool and maybe awesome. and hopefully being able to like ask a question if yeah. you really need to know something too totally like why did you do that yeah and you'll find more often than not artists are super psyched to share what they know with totally. you if you're curious yes so. well if you would hope so if they're at a public event yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> So um, what's the best way for people to pay attention to Threda to see what events are coming up, what new products you have? What yeah. Are the, what are the best avenues? The, the two main avenues are just uh, our, our Instagram, our uh, Facebook, and then our email list. That's how we tell everybody everything that's happening. Cool. Um, you yeah. know, kind of uh, just like a lot of every other business these days i guess like these we have we've all figured out this is how you tell the most people about your stuff Mm -hmm. and it happens to be through the internet right Mm -hmm. on yeah and you can subscribe to the newsletter at com. yeah totally at the bottom of uh, pretty much every page on our website you can subscribe to our newsletter um and i do my best to keep people up to date on things awesome yeah right on do you have any uh do you have any parting words for aspiring artists, creatives, Mm, uh, entrepreneurs. Yeah. Um, I would just say, you know, just like with any other skill, you have to condition yourself to think about failure differently. Mm -hmm. You have to make failure kind of a habit. And after a while, it's not going to bother you at all. Eventually you'll feel like a total badass because you don't even care if something doesn't work out right. right. It's, uh, it's the whole mindset of, of, uh, you know, succeed or learn. Mm. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. failures are going to be probably even more useful than the successes a lot of times because yeah. oh, yeah. the failures show you how the successes need to work. Right on. Yeah. Awesome. So That's just advice. get in there and, yeah. and uh, you know, fuck up a whole bunch of times <laughs> and uh, try to act like it's, it's all good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> beautiful oh yeah man thanks for sitting down and talking with us absolutely yeah thanks so much peter that's uh t-h-r-e-y-d-a yes thank you for spelling (laughs) um google will fix it for you but yes that's how you spell it yeah yes okay thank you and thank you guys um i'm really excited somebody's getting artists to talk about what they do in great detail. So oh, yeah. I think Dispelling. you guys are providing real service. Yeah. Thanks man. Yeah. yeah. So thank you well, as well. Likewise. We couldn't do it with, without you yeah. with our great guests. So, yeah. you know, it's a collective with effort community. Yeah. And for the, you a listener at home. <laughs> yeah. So thank you for listening and, uh, tune in next week and much love y'all. Yeah. Peace. peace. We love you. Peace.
Thanks for listening to another episode of RCAF Podcast. For additional images and notes on this episode, you can check out our website, rcafpodcast.com. And you can find me, Andrew Norris, at andrew.norris.arts on Instagram. And andrewnorrisarts.com is my website. I also have links on my website to episodes as well as all my best paintings. And you can find me, John Speaker. My website is johnspeaker.com. On Instagram, I'm at johnspeaker. And on Facebook, johnspeakerart. And we want to give a special thanks to Blair Speaker, John's lovely wife and creative director of the podcast. She also updates the website and does all the podcast notes. So thank you, Blair. And we'd also like to thank Tyler Billman. He created the music for this podcast. You can find Tyler on SoundCloud and Instagram. His name is Get Billsman. That's G-E-T-B-I-L-L-S-M-A-N. Thanks again for listening. Peace. Thank you. (laughs) 